0: Hello, welcome to Hako Meets Humans, and today I am meeting Masbo Q. What's
1: good, what's happening?
0: <laughs> hey dude, it's actually uh, really exciting to meet you, we've been chatting already, I've already enjoyed talking to you already, <laughs> as I knew I would, um, and uh, I think I first, I'm, I'm late to what you're doing, um, and, I, and I came to it through your Instagram um, covers.
1: Right, right, okay, yeah.
0: And I kind of just wanted to, like, uh, ask you about that just to start off with. And, like, uh, is it tiring producing one every week? Or is it a good, like, good tiring, good challenge?
1: Um, It started off as being a good challenge um, because I front-loaded a lot of the music. Um, I wrote a few songs in advance and then it was just a matter of producing the videos. But then... um, yeah, time didn't allow me to keep doing that. So it got to the point where I just had to write the song and do the video e- every week. Um, so I'm glad that it's coming to a bit of a close and um, a bit of a break. But I've had so so much good response and so many people in my DMs being like, bro, can you do this song? Can you do this song? So I'm thinking maybe a, a, a season two or so to speak might be on the cards, but yeah, we'll have to see.
0: Hell yeah. Are you finding it like um, honing a little, like you're getting in the groove of it?
1: Absolutely. So yeah. Um, forcing myself to have to produce all these tracks in such a um, short timeline and, and give them a mix and so on and so forth has, yeah, like developed some new skills. And um, uh, yeah, that I'm going to use those for my music, obviously.
0: Do you, are you a person who like produces and makes music like all the time or do you have... Because, me personally, like I go, I'm a big spurts guy. Yeah. It'd be like, I'll do a fuck ton and then I'm like, oh, I'll beat myself up because I haven't made anything for like two or three weeks.
1: Yeah. I am definitely a seasonal producer. Yeah. Um, I'll go through my season of making a bunch of stuff. Um, Then I might have a bunch of shows. So it's time for me to sort of step back from the production side Mm -hmm. and get into the performance side. But I'm learning how to get into a rhythm where I'm doing both concurrently because I don't think it's good to. Get rusty. I find that when I'm doing a lot of production um, and I'm coming up to some shows I realise how rusty I am and I'd love to not have that rust and to always just be getting enough practice in for my performance and also doing enough production on a sort of constant vibe so it's about sort of being more measured with um, how far I get into things so that I can keep doing both of them.
0: Yeah, right. Because yeah. you came from the band world, right? Yes. And so live holds like a special thing for you? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so yeah, I grew up playing punk and metal music and my first band was like a metalcore band. Um, so that world is very live performance oriented and um, the the energy and the crowd engagement that you bring to a live show is paramount to your success so coming into hip-hop and doing um doing what i do now i wanted to carry a lot of that ethos in and um use that to set me apart from my peers and i think it's i think it's worked i think uh, like i get a lot of feedback around how there's a lot of energy in my shows Mm. even the shows that i think i'm not really putting out much um but i guess because of how much i have carried over from that world it you know even when i'm less energetic in my mind i'm still still got a level of energy that you know is noticeable
0: yeah is it hard like is it harder going from like being like okay i'm putting on a show where it's just me and i'm not i don't have a band i'm not like i don't have an instrument is it like how ha- for you personally is it harder to put on a show like that or it's just the same it's just different
1: um i don't like it <laughs> it's, yeah that, that's why i have a band for my hip-hop okay right yeah um, i do have a backing band um and i try to avoid shows where i won't be able to get them in but inevitably there are some shows where I just have to do me and a DJ and yeah it took a bit of adapting Um, I think the biggest difference was the dynamics really Um, when you have a band like the louder parts are really loud the softer parts are quite soft right Um, and yeah there's a lot of energy on stage but when it's just you and a DJ um, you've just got basically the studio track minus the lead vocal so it's quite it's got that flat compressed sound that you're just kind of Yeah, It feels a little bit (laughs) karaoke-esque, and I guess that's where um, it's important to have a DJ who can flip things around, who can come in with some vocals to to make it a little bit more interesting, but yeah, more or less, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that.
0: Yeah, it's such a tough problem to solve, because I I came from the band realm as well, and now I'm more in the electronic realm, and I've just kind of stopped playing shows because… I, I do did do a few it? of them, and yeah. it's just like you know, it's not inherently interesting to watch people push buttons, yeah. and then, like you said, the outcome is often quite flat. You, or you have to do a fuck ton of work, yeah, and be like quite creative to yeah. actually try and solve that problem. And yeah. I do not have not found that solution. Exactly <laughs> well, what
1: what I what I like is the idea of creating some thing in the studio that's very electronic based or synth based, and then getting a live band and being like, okay, let's interpret this. You know yes. what I'm saying? Let's okay. We've got the synth part that we can't reproduce live. What can we replace that with? Or this whole section is not going to be able to sound like this. So how can we make it sound? Or how can we make it groove? And that gives some that gives people you know something interesting to to absorb and to soak in live. And you know they don't necessarily know what to expect, and that can be exciting.
0: Yeah, I, I've always had that opinion as well. Like I've, it should be. They're two completely different skills, yeah. and they should be two almost different versions yeah, yeah, and I read something the other day someone did a study on like what something vague like what actually do we like about music mm. um, and one of the big things they found is that people enjoy music because of the surprising elements within the music like right. they don't they know enough of where it's going but then they've got little moments that they can be surprised by mm. it each time and i feel that that explains what I feel about what we're talking about. Mm. When you go and see a live act that doesn't do what they've recorded, but does something equally as good and yeah. different, it's surprising and it's always an amazing show. Exactly, exactly. And like, everyone's gonna come back and see you if your live show's fucking yeah, good. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and it is, I think people do get scared sometimes. They're like, we have to recreate it uh, yeah, because exactly, that's what yeah. people like and we have to do it again, but... Um, People just love, people love hearing something different, man. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly, they do.
0: Do you, because um, you've, le- you've left the band stuff behind <laughs> in, in a way um, and the kind of punk uh, metal scene that like you're talking about, Does do you still have those little thoughts in the back of your head of like, oh, I would at some point like to do something on the side that is, or have you completely like separated from it?
1: Um, so it's funny because a couple of months ago I started working on, it, so my, my band that split up in 2014, we had a basically an, unrecorded, uh, an unreleased EP that was in its recording stages and needed to be sort of finished and mixed. And I think for fun, I just picked up one of those songs and it was more for the purpose of being like, okay, I'm a much better engineer now than I was six years ago, so let me see how I can make this sound. Wow. Um, and I yeah, spent a couple of hours um, editing it and mixing it and being like, maybe I should do this with the rest of the songs of the EP and release the EP as a final bang for my, my old man. Um, but then I kind of got a bit distracted and didn't do it again. And it, I mean, one of the other obstacles was I was the vocalist in that band. right? And um, you know, it wasn't clean vocals. It was like very like gritty and screaming and stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to do that to my voice anymore. Actually, that's one of the reasons why I stopped. Because like vocal health, like I I didn't want to do it. So I was like, if I am going to release this EP, I'm going to want to find another vocalist to to come in and do this stuff. Um, And then it just ended up becoming more of a task than I wanted it to be. So I'm like, now let's put it to rest. But um, I have found ways to sort of um, get that that fix in in what I'm doing now. Like if you, you'd probably have to come and see what my live show is sounding like now. Because a lot of the songs you'll hear on my EP, like, when I translate them to live, like I've got, so my drummer, he's someone I knew from back in the middle days. My guitarist was in my middle band with me. Sick. So like, I'm still like, you know what? Let's like, there are some sections that just really sound good, heavy, like heavy as hell. Um, so like, I just, I just do it. Don't. You know, I make it. And, and I've had, yeah, I've had people sort of comment on my live shows before being like, wow, like I, f- I kind of felt like I was at a rock show, but I, I know I wasn't. I'm like, that's, that's cool. Like, I like that.
0: Yeah, that is really cool because you know there is that common thing of like, oh, hip hop is 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 like the new punk and the new rock and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you could make it even more like that. Yeah, there you is know? a lot
1: of crossover stuff happening um, genre-wise. I've heard a lot of the new school hip hop ha- um, in- integrating a lot of like metal elements. So I, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Like it's oh, like
0: subgenreing itself, exactly, eh? Yeah, exactly.
1: But I wonder if they realize that that's that's quite an old thing. Like we <laughs> we grew up with like new metal, which was essentially the the grandfather of that. That um, collaboration between hip-hop and middle, um, and yeah.
0: I'm really... Because I'm totally going to come along. When's, when's the tour? Uh, it's over December, right?
1: Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the Auckland show has been um, postponed till next year. Okay. Um, and that's because the We Heart Aotearoa gig on the 19th was announced. Yeah. And we just thought there would be a bit of a, a conflict there. Um, but, yeah, I'm still playing Wellington, which is next Friday. And... Um, Raglan, which is the Friday after that. I'll just come to Raglan. Sweet.
0: I want to hear. I want to hear Icon Status, but with the band.
1: Yeah, so that's one of the songs that sounds a lot heavier. I thought so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a lot heavier than it does on on record. That and Bad Energy, they, yeah, we we made them... we made them into quite different sounding tracks.
0: <laughs> it's so funny, dude. Cause like to tell a little story about like how uh, the Instagram stuff is how I found you. But then I remember being down in, in Poynton with Benji, hanging out with Benji mm. and he was like, oh yeah, we just filmed this. Um... By the way, how's your leg? Cause I heard that you, you fell through the floor by the way. Yeah. I,
1: I've actually felt like one of the bumps on my leg still hasn't really gone <laughs> oh, away, no! which is bad, um, but it feels fine. It's just, okay. yeah, That's a bit good. deformed now. <laughs> That's good.
0: <laughs> um, I saw the video you shot downstairs. and oh, I cool. I, the first thing I actually remember thinking about it um, was how much I liked the beat and the production. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I'm I'm an outsider coming into hip hop a lot of the time. Mm-hmm and the stuff that I do, it, it like straight away start liking, the mm-hmm. more I dig into it, I'm like, oh, it's because it turns out that person has been in a band uh, or has, de- you know, yeah, that yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. it's not not surprising, I yeah. think, that I heard that. Because that okay, beat goes cool. so hard, Thanks, you bro, know I what I mean? That, yeah. <laughs> and I'm still, the way I get into things is definitely still through the like music beat side. And then I get the yeah. appreciation of the lyrics and the yeah, stuff yeah, secondary. Yeah. But, yeah, that's
1: me as well, that's yeah. me as well. Like I've always been, I've always gravitated towards conscious rap, but if, If it doesn't have a good beat, I can't listen to it. Like no matter how good the lyricism is, I just it just doesn't grip me. I have to have something musically that can hook me in. Yeah. And then um, like a lot of the music I listen to, unfortunately, like the beat is amazing, and then I just tolerate the lyrics. You know, I I tolerate them. Like, "Uh," you know, I wish they were better, but I'm listening to this because the beat is so good. Um, So when you have that art where the beat is good and the lyrics are good, it's just. (laughs) Amazing. You know.
0: What? Who, who's doing that right now for you? Uh,
1: so I don't know if you've heard um, this artist called Tobe Mwigwe. No. He's um, he just actually released a collab with Black Thought and Royce Royce the Five Nine, who are legitimately like my favorite rappers. So like my mind just blew when I saw that um, being released. But um, yeah, he he had an incredible come up. So he's a Nigerian American rapper of the same ethnic group as as me. Um, he came up by this thing called Get Twisted Sundays, every Sunday he would release a music video with a song, every Sunday for like a year and a half, I think. I don't know how he did it. Um, and if you if you look, like all of, all of the clips are on YouTube, if you look at the first few clips, you can see like the quality is fine, not amazing, but you know, um, it just looks like someone who's starting out. But then now all his videos are like incredible. And I think obviously like he's got momentum, he's brought a team along, they figured out how to do it really well. And um, he just had an amazing come up. A lot of um, people sort of caught wind of him. He was on Sway in the Morning, BET Awards, and um, he had a sold-out American tour. So he's he's really like, he's there now. But yeah. Um, yeah, his music is that for me. Like his lyrics are very, very conscious, but they're also very fun and very, very punchy. And then his producer um, just makes like really cool beats as well. So I, yeah, I love listening to his stuff.
0: Hell yeah, dude. I get that. I get that a lot um you know for me uh clipping okay is like cuz i'm i come i really enjoy very quite um abrasive music okay. quite a lot uh-huh. and i really like hearing a very abrasive production but like at, at the hip hop tempo and a bit more thing and Mm-mm. for me like they're the easy entry point okay. for me to get into you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. but i'm so excited cuz like i feel like i'm one of the lucky ones who doesn't isn't already like saturated or um, knows heaps about hip hop and what's going on at the point that it's really starting to experiment right. and do a bunch of really cool things. Right, right, so like my interest is at a height at the same time that I feel like a lot of people are really starting to push uh-huh. the envelope of what the genre can be and do. And yeah, I feel very, very lucky for yeah, that. Yeah,
1: That's cool, that's cool.
0: Um, so you, you've you done both the punk and the metal stuff in New Zealand and yes. now you're doing the um, hip hop stuff in New Zealand as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the communities and the, and the kind of like spaces that you're in with both of those uh, different genres are they uh, similar different? do you have one that you find that you have found more at home in?
1: Um, so the thing I really loved about the metal and punk community was that they knew that they were in a very niche space, so it's like the community automatically was a lot more supportive um, and a lot more ready to to give you opportunities um, and take take opportunities that were offered to you because we knew like you know there aren't that many people who are doing what we do and love what we love so whoever's there out there um, who's on you know in our community like we, we got to ride hard for them so it was crazy though like, when we were in a band when we started the band um, we'd release like two demos online or something like that and then. Finally, when we were like, okay, we're ready for shows. We just got handed shows. Like, I don't even think there was one point in our career in that band where we went out looking for shows. We just given them. Yeah, right. Um. So that was that, so it was very trippy coming into hip hop, and then <laughs> I think I had that expectation in my mind. I'm like, oh, once I'm ready, once I've got some music out there, um, surely I'll be given shows. And then that it just didn't happen. And um, the the sort of big shift I experienced was everybody being like. Uh, I got to ride hard for myself. And if you want this opportunity, you got to get it yourself. You know, I'm not going to really help you out here. Um, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but it was just jarring coming from one community where, you know, it's very much like we're all in together. And this other community was like, it's more, a little bit more dog eat dog. Um, But obviously, like culturally, um, the hip hop community was a lot more, um, I wouldn't say welcoming, but just, I felt more, a lot more home there. Like I wasn't like the only person of colour, mm. Um, which I often was in, in the punk and metal space. Um So yeah, like there, there are definitely pluses and minuses to both communities. Um But yeah, the, I, I still think the hip hop community, um it feels, it doesn't feel as a warm as the punk and metal community. Like I feel like I'm like the friendships and the connections that I've made in this one uh, feel a lot more superficial. They're a lot more like, oh yeah, when I see you um, in person, we'll say hi and we'll be like, yeah, cool, we're mates and stuff. But I won't ever really collab with you. I won't really invite you to these parties. I won't really, because you're not really in my... I I find that kind of annoying. (laughs) So yeah, um, yeah, in certain ways, I do miss the whole community, yeah.
0: Yeah, I wonder if, because the niche communities tend to also have very certain and specific physical spaces that they meet at. Because there's only a few venues you, you play at. You know what it's I mean? True. Yeah. And I always wonder how, in the in the course of doing this podcast, I've kind of come to realize how important spaces and like cross germination um, abilities that they have. Yeah. And I wonder like if that's maybe what the hip hop community in, in New Zealand is like missing a really st- or like the... They have to get spread out so they only have the small community spread out from one another you know what i mean as opposed to like this one or two mecca kind of yeah. venues that you get that like everyone is always at and into yeah, like yeah, yeah. whammy for alternative bands yeah and then like um i don't know where did the point where did the where did the metal bands play um ding uh, dong lounge no
1: yeah oh well, so okay so when i was in doing my thing we were more like in the all ages scene. Dope. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So we, cause we were quite young and um, yeah, most of our crowd was from there. So the all ages venues at the time was Zeal out in Henderson. Um, we played a bit of oh, um, Ellen Melville in the city. Um, I'm trying to think of back, way back in the day, there was like Orange Orange County something. There was Grayland Library Hall was a big one um, and uh yeah oh King's Arms, obviously mm. but that was team. but yeah, like so there are a lot of those kind of venues, but um in terms of the yeah we, we we're a little bit in front of the time um or a little bit before the time in terms of the R18 venues so I'm not really I know there's ding dong Lounge, but other than that, I'm not really sure about where like metal bands <laughs> It's tough out there do their thing yeah um, but yeah, in terms of hip hop, like, yeah you might be right about that assessment, um not really having meccas per se. Neck of the Woods feels like it kind of is. It feels like it's growing into something, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're kind of struggling. Because we had a f- few venues closed down. Um, yeah, I think I think there is a huge venue problem in Auckland, actually. Um, like a huge one. Because what we have is that we have a bunch of venues from, <coughs> say, the 50 to 200, 250 mark. And then <coughs> from say 300 to 7 or 800 what is there this tuning fork which
0: which is cool but has no vibe
1: and is expensive yeah and the galatos and and then so those are the only mid-range venues they have and then after that it's studio and power station so it's like if you have played a bunch of these smaller shows um, and you've gotten to the point where okay like I could probably put on a show at tuning fork or Galatas, cool, you've played one of those or both of those, now what are you gonna do? Because it's a long road to get from just being able to get enough people into Tuning Fork and Galatas to playing the studio, you know what I'm saying, or, yeah. or Power Station. Like, yeah. So like for, for the artists in Auckland, like what's the trajectory? what's the what's the pathway up that's why when our borders were open a lot of people were like well i need to move to australia cuz what am i going to do like I've, I've played these small venues what's next for me like i can't fill the studio yet yeah um i can't do a power station yet so what am i going to do
0: you're you've hit on one of my favorite things to talk about which mm. is i think you're describing a part of the ceiling between like the top of the middle mm. and the bottom of the top. Yeah, there is a definite gap. Yeah, a and huge, so like g- humongous the, gap. Yeah, and yeah. but like there's even that for say like media as well. Like yeah. you can get played big time on. You can be at the top of the pile of the uh, student radio stations or those things, and then you've got a huge gap to become getting onto one of the uh, one of the top radio yeah. stations to get yeah. that wider spread. And they're only going to play a certain um, type of thing anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, like,
1: very, very, I still have this distinct, <laughs> distinct memory of um, releasing my. So, this is when I was still called Unchained XL. I released my second um, EP called Migrant Mind. And um, my promo people sent that record into my firm, and they were like, oh, look, you know, we love Unchained XL. We love this music, but like, this music is too heavy for us. I'm like, what does this mean? Like, and it, it was kind of strange because I was just like, wait. Well, could you be a little bit less ambiguous? Like, is the music to it? Is the lyrics to it? I, I mean, I suspect it was the lyricism because the song in particular that we're pushing was one um, centred on the refugee crisis at a time where um, Aotearoa was dealing with the the, um, the March tragedy, March 15th tragedy. Um, but then I thought, like, isn't this an ample opportunity to play music speaking to that? But whatever. Um, and that, yeah, that, kind of, that was kind of disheartening because I'm like, well, I don't really want to compromise on... What I'm doing because that's as part of like my artist identity, but I feel like in order to push into that sort of my FM flavor space, I need to yeah, narrow what I'm doing so much to a point where I'm compromising my artistic integrity. I'm like, I can't really do that. Um,
0: and that's and that's and then you've hit the ceiling again because you're like, well, what where do I go? Well,
1: what well, well, yeah, what well, what's the option for the niche artist? Like, and if you're in the US or the UK, and you fall into a little niche crack, that niche crack might have a million people and that could sustain your career. But if you're in a niche crack in New Zealand, how many people do you have? Not many, depending how niche you are, your niche crack could be 500 people, <laughs> you yeah. a thousand people. And um, once you've played to them a couple of times, what are you gonna do? Um, so yeah, it's, it's a shame that, and it's not as if like, what I don't like, um, what really frustrates me is this idea that oh, your music is not accessible or mainstream enough when these people are essentially controlling what is considered mainstream. And I'm just <laughs> I like, you're you're deciding who what goes on the radio, you're deciding what people consume. You know what I'm saying? And and this sort of links to another point about um the, the whole New Zealand music thing. Of this. Uh, there's another another huge thing. But it's not like, okay, if you are playing music, like the music that you play on the radio is the music that the general public will consume, get used to, and like, and normalise, right? So if we, are, if you're only deciding to play five artists, I'm not going to name them. I think everyone knows who they are. Um, then that's the, the only music that people are going to see. Festivals are only going to put those five artists on, which is what we're seeing this damn summer. Um, and then what was going to happen to the rest of you? Like, whereas if you say, okay, look, we, we've got an opportunity here where our borders are closed, we can push a bunch of New Zealand music, a bunch of artists who are doing slightly different things. We can push them onto the radio. It might be different. There might be some kind of, there might be a teething period, but after a while, New Zealand will get used to it and be like, oh, there's other kind of music out out there. I can like this stuff. Um, Then they can listen to it and consume it. And then like a lot more of us can be elevated and and there will be a lot more people in these niche gaps, right? Like... (laughs) But like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I don't understand why there's such a resistance to to open um, to open up minds and tastes. But yeah.
0: It confuses and frustrates me to no end. And I can hear it in your voice as yeah. well. Because it's crazy to be like, oh, we can't play that because reason. And it's like, <laughs> but you're the ones making up the reasons. Yeah. And like, and, and the other thing is like, we, is, we can't go anywhere else, but also there's no competition for you. Yeah. So what's the worst that can happen if you, like Where where is the person who loves listening to my going to go instead of my? And if they're so insecure about that, then they obviously maybe know they're not doing so well. Yeah. I When is the shoe going to drop that maybe things aren't going so well and because of the things that are happening yeah. and instead of doubling down on what,
1: that's, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. I mean, like, where was Lord in New Zealand before she blew up in America? Like, America decided she was amazing, okay. and then New Zealand was like, "All oh, right, Ashley, yeah, yeah, Lord's cool. Let's play her music."
0: But do you know? Do you know? It's my theory is that New Zealanders don't care about music and they just care about celebrity. Popularity. Yeah, that's
1: true. No, I've, I've heard exactly exactly <laughs> yeah, the same right? thing. Someone's like, "Bro, people don't like music; they like popularity." Mm. And I, I had to really think about that statement. For a while, I like, really reflected it. I'm like, actually, yeah.
0: Like, obviously, the people listening to this podcast, hello, we love you here. Yeah. You you like music. <laughs> Thank you for coming. And you're going to really enjoy listen, listening to Hugh's music. But we're talking about most of New Zealanders.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. I would love to witness, and I, and I don't know how this is possible, but I'd love to witness a double blind test where you take an artist who is currently at the top at the moment, and you look at the music that broke them out there and you play that music as if they, as if it wasn't coming from them and then see how people treat it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you could take, if you could somehow erase people's memory of Kendrick's earlier stuff and then bring it back again and play it, but, um, and just be like, oh, you know, here's some New Zealand art or here's some artists whatever and uh, would it be would people be like oh my gosh this is groundbreaking or would they just be like oh you know what i'm saying like um there's so much power in in gatekeepers saying yeah this is the this is the hot stuff at the moment um
0: it's funny you bring up kendrick that just gave me the thought of like it's crazy that they wouldn't they'd be like that's too heavy and i'm sure they play like the black of the berry and stuff like that on there don't they like (laughs) you know what like what
1: Oh uh, yeah. I, yeah I just had no words for that like, I mean not
0: Yeah And I've, the more I learn The more I'm like And I have to reiterate it For, for the dumbasses every time I'm not shitting mm. On the people who work At all of these places yeah, yeah. And the people in the industry Because they're just I understand the motivation They just want it. They're just trying to do The best that they can do Yeah I just think like you got to listen to The voices outside Saying like Shit's not going super well mm. And maybe we should try You know my thing, I moving I talked to a, a guy called Ian Blink last week, and I, I was, I'm a huge fan of his, and he's gone out and done and built communities, and and essentially just existed outside of the main, just disconnected himself from it, just built his own things, mm-hmm. and I, he kind of explained his whole eth- ethos of, of that, and how just that you just got to have do something you want to do, mm. build that community, and it really has been making me think like. And we get so angsty and we still, a lot of, like you yourself, we're still sending music to these mm, places mm, and trying to of course, yeah. play the game, you know? Yeah, yeah. At what point do we have a point that we get to where we go, all right, let's just, maybe we should just disconnect from this system and maybe try and build some kind of alternate for the people like us yeah. and then see where it goes?
1: Absolutely. And I, to be honest, I was in the process of doing something, doing just that, and COVID kind of thwarted my plans. But... So I, I built this, um, or I started this sort of uh, a project or whatever you want to call it, called The Loft. Um, and that was happening at Anthology. It was a monthly event where musicians, like actual musicians and artists would come together and just create music. And, and the, the only rule was that you can't play covers. It has to be freestyle, it has to be off. the. So um, how it works is that you have, um, you have a house band that will start the night off. Me and an artist I work with called Kevin Posey, we were the hosts. So we'd get up there, and we'd be like, "Yo, um, welcome, welcome to this event." And we'd start, we'd just start freestyle rapping, we'd start singing some choruses, and the artists in the building. So that's another thing. Like we had, um, we invited artists. It wasn't a free jam in the same way that Portland Public House or a couple of other. Uh, venues have these free jams where anyone could come up. We made it clear that like the people who could come up on stage were, had been invited because we we wanted to make sure that the quality was high so we'd have we'd have rappers we'd have singers we'd have guitarists we'd have all these people in the building, and they would know that they were allowed on stage and so we'd open up the night and then just open the mic up and we'd have people come up and they'd start they'd, you know they'd start jamming with the band and and just creating all these, these amazing vibes and like I said like it had to be completely freestyle like you had to um you know you just had to vibe, and and the the idea of that was to create this thing where every month you had a bunch of artists, you had a bunch of musicians in the local Auckland scene, like all coming, all descending upon this venue every month, and making these music, making these connections, mm. um, and and seeing where it happened, see uh, seeing what happened from that, and then, um, the the idea was that yeah, like we would create it into a channel Um, and and it was an open invite for like for the public the public could come along and have a look and I made it free as well I sort of discussed with the venue to to make that happen. So like the public can come on a Sunday evening and listen to this amazing music and then discover all these new local artists. So, and and the other thing I did was that I did not invite industry people. I didn't say that industry people can't come. I just didn't invite, I didn't reach out to them because I didn't want it to be like an an industry controlled thing. I'm like, this is a artist and musician thing for artists and musicians. We're gonna create our own platform. Um, We're doing this thing. And, And the sort of ethos behind it was we, the industry needs musicians the industry needs artists to survive so why are we begging for these opportunities we should just be doing what we do and then they should come to us and be like oh guys how can we join in how can we support this so that was the idea and we had a couple of we had a couple of um loft sessions and they were dope that sounds uh, amazing yeah they were sick um and they were yeah unfortunately like covid hit at the worst time so we couldn't <laughs> But I'm looking at trying to start it up again next year because I still think it's a worthwhile thing.
0: Well, I want to come.
1: Yeah, man. I um, think I'm
0: sure everyone listening to this is going yeah. to gonna be uh, holding out for that. Yeah.
1: I'll, um, I've, I mean, the great thing, I've still got the infrastructure in place. I've got an Instagram page. I've got a mailing list. So if I want to run an event, I just send an email out and instantly hundreds of people know about it. So that's the other thing. Like, we didn't put events on Facebook because wanted, I wanted to bring back the kind of word of mouth mm. vibe. Like, yeah. yo, do you know this is happening? Kind of kind of thing. Um,
0: just letting go of the desperation.
1: Exactly, man, like I, I was sick of begging, man. Like <laughs> yeah. I was like, why am I like asking the same people to play my stuff and not to get super political, but being a person in hip hop, a black person in hip hop, why am I begging people who are culturally outside of this thing that I'm doing to accept what I'm doing? I'm like, bro, you like, you shouldn't even be the gatekeeper of this music, mm. so why am I asking you to play my stuff? Like, so yeah, I got really annoyed, so I'm like, yo, I'm gonna do my own thing. Um, And then once it gets big, which I I believe it will, if it keeps going, then all of a sudden you're gonna come and be like, "Yo, actually, uh, bruh, like, what what can I do?" I'm like, "Well, first of all, open your wallets, (laughs) because that's the (laughs) first thing." You know what I'm saying? Like, just a platform by musicians for musicians was was the idea.
0: You're you're building your own power instead of hoping to just access someone else's. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: And that's quite an empowering thing because a lot of artists, I feel, we're not, the confidence isn't built in people to do that.
1: Yeah. You well, know? man, we've got, yeah, there's so many cans i could can open right now. So we, we're basically conditioned in New Zealand as artists to, once you finish your study, if you're studying music or once you've sort of um, written your own music and you're deciding, okay, I'm going to give this thing a go, we're conditioned to apply for funding. Like we had, like, that's what we have to, like, if we want to go on tour, funding. If we want a music video, funding. If we want to do an album, funding. Like, we're just, funding applications is our life, man. Like, <laughs> like um, and I'm just like, why is it like that? Like, can we, are we able to change things so that we don't have to keep, like, begging for scraps just to do, you know, what we should be doing? Um, I, th- I think it's difficult for people to to look outside of, like if you're a fish in water, you don't know in water, right? Yeah. You know, um, so.
0: Well, I had Greg Haver on this couch and he, he's a, um, he runs like, he helps yeah. run song hubs. I stuff know that. Greg, yeah. Um, he was fascinating to talk to and he, he kind of, we got into is kind of that same kind of point which is essentially like um, when funding is ubiquitous, People go, well, if I don't get fund, we, it, it incentivizes people who will only do it if they get funding. Yep. And what we really need to incentivize is more of the kind of people who are going to do it, like yourself, just do the loft sessions yeah. and then have it some other time. Or people like Blink who just ran Camp Below Home and then will work it out what yeah. it's going to do later. Yeah. Um, and that seems like a very, once you kind of point that out to yourself, it's like, oh, fuck that. Yeah, funding doesn't, it seems like a really good, utopian idea and there's really good parts to it but that is a massive part that a lot of people don't
1: think about. Yeah, yeah. You need, yeah. The thing is you need to, it's quite a task. Like you need to get people to buy into what you're doing. So when I started doing The Loft, like I'd literally sit down with people and take them out to dinner. Like I'd pay for them. I'd be like, bro, come out to dinner. I'll pay you dinner. Let me tell you about what I'm doing because, and my thing wasn't to bribe them. I just wanted to be like, look, bro, like, this is the vision. Are you able to buy into this vision? Are you able to be like, um, okay, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna play drums for you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna play keys for you. I'm not gonna come away being like, oh, I need my 300 bucks for that session. I'm gonna be like, I'm just gonna sew in because in six months' time, a year's time, this thing, money is not gonna be an issue because we're gonna have the sponsorships. We're gonna have the industry buy, and we're gonna have all this stuff. But I need to. I need to commit now. Yeah. Um, I made it clear. I'm like, bro, I'm not making any money off this. In fact, I'm putting my own money into this. I'm like, I'm. I was paying for the sound, dude, because I just wanted the gig to be free. I wanted people to be able to come in and not. I didn't want it to ticket, to be a ticketed thing. So, I, I, yeah, I'd like literally, the people I wanted to really be a part of it. I just wanted to be like, bro, can we can we consider this a passion project to start off with, not, to in order to like, um, what's the word, to take advantage of the you, you but to sort of build something together, you know, and realize this is something we can take ownership of and, and sort of as a community invest in um, to reap the benefits later on. And I think if a lot more people in the arts had that mentality, uh, we, could do, we could do a lot more. But I mean, I say that acknowledging that it is, it is kind of a privileged thing because you need to pay rent, you know what I'm saying? So you can't just keep doing all these projects for free. But there is value in having some things, you know, some projects that you're like, yeah, I'm in this.
0: But you're talking about the strategy, right?
1: Talking about the strategy, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, and you can apply that strategy to any idea.
1: Any, any idea, yeah.
0: Are you a comfortable leader? Like, do you feel comfortable in your leadership? Because you've, you've got, you do, you, you are a leader in many aspects of your yeah. life, you know? Yeah. I, but it, how does that sit with you?
1: I'm okay, like I don't I don't enter spaces in demand to be at the top or demand to be in a leadership position and I'm quite comfortable in as a team member but I think because as a person I'm ideas oriented right. and um I'm in I don't know if you know Myers Briggs personalities but I'm an ENF, ENFP personality and those kind of personalities are very um, we're motivators and we're inspirers and we're ideas people. So we'll get we'll go into a room and be like, guys, what about this? Um, and then people are like, oh yeah, cool, okay. What do we do? And so my like, okay now, it just in virtue of being a person that comes up with the idea and that comes up with the passion and the fire, um, I find myself in a position where I'm having to drive, um, and I'm like, okay, whatever. But like, I think the thing that I struggle with is being able to assemble a team to then go and do that. And I end up doing too much, burning out, and being like, uh, you know. Um, it's
0: very relatable content. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very,
0: I mean, because it's hard to find. It can be really hard to find the right people who are even open to the ideas, let alone finding the, the keys to really pulling a team together and mm. push getting them all pulling in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, exactly. And I had to learn, I don't know how, when you learned that lesson about, well, if you burn out, it's all pointless because you're not going to get it done at all. But <laughs> I was very late to learning that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And now that I kind of am, am grappling with it, it's it's gotten a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I don't know cool. how it's working for you. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm still <laughs> I mean, still this like... year's kind of fucked it for us a little bit because, you know, um, but, you know, aside from that.
1: And definitely, yeah, there have been a lot of projects this year where I have had to just be like, okay, I'm going to let go of my desire to micromanage and desire to like carefully oversee everything and just be like, just be a bit content. Because I think my thing was like, I need to have the credit. Like, if I, I felt like if I, was responsible for the inception of the idea then i then also had to do all these things so that people would know that it's mine but i've learned that i can just have the idea and i can pull people together and then it can still be recognized that i was responsible for doing that but i didn't have to do all the all the legwork as well and that that applies not only to projects but all my own music like bringing other people into co-produce or to collab or to whatever was a big step for me like it wasn't something that i was super open to at the start i used to i used to have to do every single thing but I, because i was scared of doing that having other people in there and then people being like oh well it wasn't really MazboQ's thing like whatever right. but i'm learning learning now that like even being the person who just opens the door to a room and says come on in closes the door and sits down is enough for people to be like, oh yeah, man, Q. like he was, yeah, he did, he did that. You know what I'm saying? And and it's not as if like I'm taking credit for work that I haven't done. It's more the fact that even just knowing, even a having um, a history that has allowed you to build certain connections with people is work that I've done. B, knowing what people to bring into that room, um, and knowing you know who would have a good kind of. Confluence and synergy is is creditable work and and see being able to to facilitate the harmony between people is also creditable work, so like I realized that yeah, actually being a leader is less about doing everything and more about creating an environment where that that stuff can be done, and not everyone can do that so
0: that's some wise shit. <laughs> how, do you, so. how did you figure this shit out? Are you, are you, are you bro, just, just, trial man. and error? You got trial out, error, outside bro. shit? Or? Trial and error, bro.
1: Just <laughs> do a bunch of stuff and really, yeah, get it wrong and then get it less wrong the next time. Keep getting it less wrong and then it starts to look like it's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of often, like, can, can you imagine um, getting... All the things you wanted when you were yourself at the age of twenty or oh twenty one.
1: Gosh, bro, <laughs>
0: isn't that fucked?
1: Oh my god! Can you imagine how
0: fucked it would have been?
1: I yeah. You I know, wish. S-
0: speaking for myself, but I kind of feel like <laughs> I
1: often wish I was twenty two right now. Not because like I hate being thirty one, just because like I could have actually like if I took myself, if I believed in myself as mm. much as I do now at that age, I could have everything that I have now eight years ago and then I could have eight years in front of me <laughs> to build something at 31 that I could only dream of now, you know?
0: But, yeah. But the universe doesn't fucking work like that.
1: On, yeah. Um, and to be honest, like, there's probably a reason why it did happen now because at 22, I didn't know everything that I do now. I didn't think of all the, I didn't think of all the things that I think of now and I didn't have the maturity and the, you know. So, yeah. But I do often think, man, I wish I did get started earlier, <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: Oh yeah, I don't know. I definitely, if I'd had, if I'd had those hookouts, that I would have f- fucked it. <laughs> it would have fucked yeah. me. I would have fucked it. Yeah, that's possible. Would, yeah, I, I'm, am fine admitting for just my own personal. Yeah, life. yeah, no. It's it would not have been good. It would not have been good. Um, yeah, man. That's I find that so interesting. Like you're completely right. We have we get told this idea of we. I think the idea of leadership is just merged with ego. It's like oh, they're, yeah. they're just like but everyone's just kind of talking about ego. They're not really talking about leadership. Yeah. And the way you just described it is kind of the most sensible way I've ever heard leadership mm. kind of described. And it's a really I'm still not there and able being able to like accept that role yeah, of it. Yeah. You know, it's tough, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. If you're type of the, if you're the type of person who um, have has historically done everything then yeah like true leadership is a process of letting go in the right way and that's hard bro
0: especially in the music industry where they try and they at all points try and project at at the idea that it's just one person doing everything you know like oh this is just taylor swift and she does fucking everything here yeah
1: oh dude the the way my mind blew when i realized most pop songs have like anywhere between 10 and 20 songwriters i was like (laughs) What do you mean? Like, I remember going to this APRA thing where they brought uh, a guy, I forgot his name, um, but he was in Dr. Dre's songwriting team. Oh, cool. And he'd be like, he'd, he was like, yeah. Um, so what will happen is like one songwriter will, will come up and he'll just be like, okay, I think the kicks should be like this. And the next person will be like, yeah, I think the snare and hat should be like this. And the next person will come in and be like, oh, this is a guitar riff. And I'm like, wait, what? You have like <laughs> all these people just to make like a simple beat? But, like, it's simple, but it's super effective. And if one person's mind did it, it might not have been as effective as it – so I was just like – and yeah, so um, I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then he was like, yeah, the role of Dr. Dre was basically to come in and be like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, yes, no, go fix this, come back. You know? And then he'll come back in the room and be like, yeah, I'm happy with it. And then it'll be Dr. Dre's beat. I'm like, wait, what? So he <laughs> – but you know, but he, he had to be the mastermind for it to all work, you know what I'm saying? It's his um,
0: ear, I guess. He's playing the songwriters. That's
1: right. And he's he's the one who even said, Yeah, you can be on the team, you know, like that requires like vision and 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 knowledge and, and wisdom to be able to do so. Yeah, I uh, that's that's what sort of broke me out of my okay, I need to do everything, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you you think you're at a point where you could do, you could be a part of that uh, that kind of machine?
1: I think so, yeah. Um, So since then I've done a few, I've done the song hubs. I've done something with um, Rory Noble, which is kind of like a song, like his own little song hubs that he has started. And I've gotten used to the idea of collaborative music making. Mm. And I actually really really love it because when it comes down to it, I'm a huge people person and having like the energy of multiple people in a room ignites my creativity in a way that it, it cannot be ignited when it's just me by itself. And I came away from both those experiences feeling really energized and being like, yeah, like I want to do this. Like I love being in a room, having an idea thrown around, picking up that idea, injecting something into it and then passing it kind of like, you know, hot potato. Um, I love that kind of songwriting. I definitely could do it more. And I don't think I'd get tired of it as quickly as I would if it was just me having to write all these songs. Yeah. You know, if I if my day job was to go in a room and like be one of eleven songwriters, I could do that every day for the rest of my life. You know, but if my job was to go and write all these songs every day, I by myself I'd get tired. Yeah.
0: yeah. So you get energized being around people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's the huge extrovert in me. Like I don't. I don't get to the end of a busy week and I'm like, oh, I just need to be by myself. I get to the end of a busy week and I'm like, okay, I need to go to a party. Yeah, you know what right. Like, um, I need to be around people.
0: Yeah, bro, it's crazy. I, I, this is my Friday for my work. Uh, yeah. I work at a cafe, so I'm okay. up at 5 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Um, So like even t- today, I always arrive, every week I arrive at the park being like, I'm pretty fucking <laughs> I'm tired. I need my coffee, and my shit. I do mm. a, like a quiz after this mm. as well. Um, but every time I come off the couch, mm. I'm like oh, I'm awake again. Yeah, you know, having like interesting conversations yeah. with people and meeting like really great, like having an opportunity to meet you mm. in a setting that like I can we can just kind of make it happen. Yeah, that shit for me is the exciting stuff That's that cool, I could totally get you. Like it just energizes you being in that yeah, place. Yeah,
1: definitely. 100%. Like I
0: don't think I could ever, even if like music side of stuff was going so well, I was like, oh, I don't really need to work anymore. I'd probably still need at least a day at the cafe to just yeah. meet, you know, I see 300 people a day and serve them coffees yeah. and have chats, like yeah, I need more and fucking more of that, man. True.
1: Yeah, actually, um, that was one of the most jarring changes for me, going from my job as a software engineer um, to doing music full time. So
0: you are full time?
1: Yeah, yeah, Crazy. yeah, I am. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I worked as a software engineer between the years of 2011, 2017 um, and we, we worked at like, we had an open plan office and, and the style of um, development was agile. So there was a lot of uh, communication with other, other people in the team. We had frequent meetups you know it was that it was just kind of yeah like you're right there i'm talking to you we're getting this done together and then i left that environment and it was like yeah i'm doing music by myself yeah i'm gonna do this creative thing and meet lots of people and then most days was just me in my studio by myself right and i didn't i didn't realize i was not aware of the fact that the extra extrovert in me was not being energized and fulfilled so i'd get to the end of my day uh and my wife would come home and i'd just be like annoyed <laughs> and she'd be like what's your problem and i'm like, I. I would. I no. I didn't even realize I was annoyed. But it was because I'd been spending all this time by myself, and I was. I wasn't getting that feel. I wasn't getting that communication. And then I think she pointed that out to me. She's like, "You just need to. You need to go out." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So yeah. <laughs> I started going to gigs like almost every night, and um, yeah. Then like my whole mood changed. You know what I'm saying? I was like, "Okay, so that's what that's what was missing." I like. I didn't have the people in my life. Yeah, so I started. Yeah, I started going to gigs like as many gigs as I could, and it was good. It killed two birds with one stone. It got me my fix of the people energy, but it also um, just helped help my networks. You know.
0: Well, that that puts the loft idea in a whole nother light as well, yeah. because that is essentially your wet dream of a night out, isn't it? Like you've got yeah. fucking great artists, yeah, exactly. new people every time, yeah. like hanging out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: that it's 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 a real blessing to. Find when you find those insights in yourself because yeah, of the yeah. impact it can change, like have in your life. Yeah, Jeez. you're right. Once you're aware of it, it's fucking um, the the kind of we are winding up. And the last thing I kind of I did make, want to make sure I want to talk to you about uh-huh. is like your voice. Okay. Yeah. Not really literally, but yeah. like figuratively. And I think yeah. you've brought it up throughout the thing as well. Is like you know you have something to offer that is uh, like individual. But mm-hmm. also community and collectivist as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, where is there? Do you do you feel like you have a place to really put that voice out there? Because I think it, I think you have important things to say, and I think you're doing. And that's why I again really like the Instagram thing because that's right. like a form of communication that yeah. a lot of musicians don't even think about or try and attempt. You know, yeah, yeah. And I kind of sensed. And it's been confirmed by talking to you that mm. you aren't just happy with just say like, I'm going to say what's on the song and then like fucking that's all I need to mm. do. And so like, do you do you is that part of you fulfilled? And if and if it is or isn't, like what what does the future hold for like you and your voice? You know? Yeah,
1: um, I'm still trying to figure out where I should sit and what the to be pragmatic, like what the best platform is for me. Um, so there are a couple of series that I've got on my Instagram. There's that cover series. There's also one called um, "In the Lyrics," where like it's a series of IGTV videos where I'm actually expositing some of the lyrics um, in my songs because I'm like, why do I sit and put all this thought into my verses, rap my verses, have people sort of listen to it a couple times and be like, oh, that was a cool song, but not digest like even one percent of what I'm saying. Like I need to sort of. Um, bring bring that stuff out and get so that's the cool sort of thing that i'm doing and and a lot of people have listened to it and and thought it was cool but i think my issue was i'm not like instagram hasn't really been as effective as i want as sort of placing my voice in in a sphere where enough people can hear it um a lot of people have talked about youtube but man like to do youtube like it's a different project in in itself. You, you have to yeah you have to put a lot of work, a lot of consistency into it. It's almost like it, it's a full-time thing, to be honest, if you want it to really kill. Um,
0: You'd have to have a full-time team, you know, if you weren't going to do it yourself. That's
1: right. Content every day or at least every every couple of days or something has to be higher quality content. Yeah, you have to content strategize, content plan. And yeah, it's not easy, man. Um, like I would love to do that, but yeah, I can't do that by myself sort of thing. Um, so I guess a big way that I was hoping to give myself that platform was The Loft. Um, because that in that way, I was in front of people every month. I was sort of rapping about the things that I care about. I was bringing people together. I was having these interesting conversations and hopefully creating these uh, networks and opportunities. Um, so I, have, I haven't like, e- every time I think, I'm like oh my God, The Loft could be cool. To be honest, I haven't lost hope like, I do want to bring it back. Well, it's like coming I think back. It's I don't yeah, mean, yeah, 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 It's definitely we, coming back.
0: Right now, we're saying it's coming back. Yeah, it's coming back. It will, it will be, be here in 2021.
1: It will happen again. Um, I just need to find it. I need to find a venue. But yeah, so that, um, that is a really cool thing. But yeah, I, I am struggling to, to figure out how, where my voice can sit because I think, yeah, a lot of people have made the observation that you've made and they're like, okay, this guy has something to say. But yeah,
0: and not just about music but about life. Stuff, yeah. For like, you know, you, you've got, like you said, you're an ideas guy. I think you've got a lot on your mind that yeah. y- it would be good to impart, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. A couple of, yeah, like people have said, maybe a podcast. and There, is, there are a few avenues I could take. It's just a matter of finding the one that will not take over or like um, sort of stifle my other stuff, but really bring all that together. Like bring the fact that I am... A people person. I am good at speaking. I'm good at music. Um, I'm good at networking, and just you know, mash it as one thing. That and I do all of those, and I'm really good at it. I, I'm having trouble finding that thing, but once I find that thing, that I'm sure things will accelerate for me. Yeah,
0: I really like you, and I think that. <laughs> I and I that. think that that last part is is a good example of why because you're you've you're driven. You know you've got your intentions mm-hmm. and you've got the self-confidence that allows you to say like "I'm good at this," mm. and it's so rare to find in, in, in New Zealanders, um, and it's because it's not fostered in us, yeah, and so I really, I really I uh, really vibe it when people yeah, have found it. that like power themselves you know. Thanks. Um, We've kind of done plugs, but let's do all the plugs again because yeah. you got, I, I mean, there's. I, I need to know when the Raglan show is happening, but you've got other stuff happening as well.
1: Yeah, so um, a couple of shows coming up. Friday the 11th, I'm playing at Moon with Wagwan and Flows. Moon Rules. Yeah, um, I've heard it's really good. On the 18th of December, I'm playing Raglan with Strangely Arousing, um, which should be a vibe. Um, I'm playing Explore next year. Um, I'm playing Festival One as well. Um, and then, yeah, all my socials are slash Masboq so that's twitter instagram facebook um and then yeah spotify obviously i'm on there and everywhere else yeah
0: hell yeah is that your spotify is do you use spotify
1: yep yep yeah, that's where I'm at. Apple Music as well, all the mainstreaming platforms here.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm trying out Apple Music now. Yeah, Jet Leaping Tiger came on and convinced on the podcast and convinced. Uh, very good. Yeah, yeah, he's like, it looks cooler, man, and it fucking <laughs> it's got all the shit, and he's that's right. Good. Shout out Jacob. Shout out Jacob. <laughs> um, hey, thank you so much for coming on. No worries, it's a pleasure. Um, I'd love to. I'd, yeah, please keep doing what you're doing because. It's, it's really enjoyable. Thanks, bro. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys later next uh, episode next Sunday, I guess. Uh, catch you on the flip side. Holla at you, boy. <laughs> <laughs>